welcome to another episode of Phantoms of the Silver Screen, the podcast where we review, discuss, and, I don't know, theorize all things horror, no matter how bad or good. I am one of your co-hosts, Rip, and I'm joined by the other co-host, Jumbie, and I'm very excited to be here today. We had a big episode. <laughs> today, tonight, we are going to discuss Season 1, Episode 3 of Midnight Mass Proverbs. We just finished watching it, and we are going to get our raw feedback. Buckle up. <laughs> It's a lot to take yeah. in. <laughs> a lot. Got a lot of things right. <laughs> Got a few things wrong. And we're going to talk about that now. Yes. What is your initial takeaway after finishing this episode? It's a seven what? episode, seven, eight episode uh, series. And they don't waste time. And I love it. They're not saving everything right? for the end. They're just... Every time we have a theory, we the next episode confirms or denies it. It's beautiful. They waste no time. There's no filler episodes in this entire show. Yeah. Every episode is just gas. It's just perfect every single time. Yeah, and they could just be like, okay, we're going to wait till the last episode to reveal what we need to reveal and have everybody guessing, but I feel like, and shout out to the director, or creator mike flanagan um he respects his audience he knows we're probably gonna figure this crap out real quick so when why waste our time you know it was a good job yeah, yeah this was episode three and yeah, there's a lot <laughs> what was your f- initial take i'm just thinking like where do we go from here? Mm. This is some re- reveals that I thought was coming down the line, like episode seven. Yeah. And I was feeling real good about myself, as you could hear in the other episodes, about both of us, really. Mostly you, because you came up with most of the good series. But <laughs> I was like, look, we, we figured this thing out. We're not going to get these reveals till episode seven. And here we are with all the answers. But apparently we were supposed to know those answers, because <laughs> here in episode three, they just, they just spilled all the beans. Now we know everything, or pretty much everything. Yeah. And I don't, I'm just excited to see where we go. (laughs) Me too. I am very excited. It's hard to do this right after because we just want to hit next episode, but we love you guys. (laughs) Yeah. Doing this for you. Yeah. Sacrifice. It kind of goes with the theme. Agreed. All right. Um, And then, oh before we get started again some powerful monologues in this or like dialogue scenes yeah there's like three different amazing dialogue scenes where the speeches they give are just crazy powerful yeah you're getting the point of views of every like religion is a hot topic right um one of the old sayings is don't talk about religion or politics because you'll always have an argument or whatever because people have their own beliefs and Mm -hmm. once those things get brought up and discussed 
it's almost like you're trampling on beliefs someone's belief system but we're getting that we're getting everybody's individual beliefs last episode we ended with something someone might call a miracle we saw lisa stand up while father pruitt no father paul (laughs) i get it it now okay while father Mm -hmm. paul um beckons lisa to walk to him it's not gonna it's not an easy pill to swallow obviously some people are gonna call it a miracle and say um it's a work of god thank you and we see the the reactions of everybody in this episode but specifically the monologues we hear from the hardcore believers the neutral and the non-believers and i think it's nice mm-hmm. yeah it is nice <laughs> it is nice yeah and we'll, we'll when we get there we'll just talk about those more in depth in depth I'm still processing the episode and like organizing my thoughts. So I I guess I'll 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 give my strong opinions as we get through this episode. Yeah. So we we start off immediately after the scene you just described. Mm-hmm. Um well not immediately after. I would say like a day has gone by at least. And we see the father getting organized in the church. He's picking up stuff. He he's you know putting the books back in the pew properly. Mhm. And then he goes into the confessional and he starts telling this tale that I've been dying to hear. It's the story of what happened to Monsignor John Pruitt. Yes. So Monsignor John Pruitt was in Jerusalem and he was ill. Mm-hmm. He was stumbling around Jerusalem. He's sick. He's there with his brothers. And throughout this story, they show this really interesting art. It looks like it's made of clay almost. Mm-hmm. And it has like little artistic renditions of what was happening with Monsignor. And that was pretty cool. But this story takes a long time to tell. They basically just open with Monsignor in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And he's worshipping at the wall. And he's just kind of losing it. And he slowly gets lost. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of cut away from there. Yeah. How do you feel about... Monsignor in Jerusalem. I mean, it, uh, Father Paul said it, like, it almost said he pretty much had no business being there just because of his, um, condition. And it was pretty much worse than what everybody was saying. I don't know why they (laughs) wouldn't, you know, maybe he was stubborn about it. Maybe he wanted it to, really wanted to do all this stuff so they kind of let him maybe that's how high up in the church he was we don't know but he like, yeah his his mental health was not well like what alzheimer's dementia something like that right like probably dementia he's old yeah so and he's by like i can get it as like a, a bucket list thing but you, you'd think the people that took him there would be very attentive knowing that he doesn't know where he is all the time yeah it's almost like they didn't even like they they did not notice he when he was gone you would think they would take extra care but they didn't mm-hmm. and once again that probably probably was his stubbornness or something we don't know but mm-hmm. yeah you know <laughs> you know uh, yeah. what else well i wouldn't 
um i wouldn't uh what's it called uh like i'd i'd believe that bev pushed him into going into this trip really i would believe that yeah i mean i'd believe anything negative of <laughs> bev but is it just because we don't like her or do you have a reason um well we I'm learned okay last both. <laughs> we learned we learned last episode that she's 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 always been by his side but she pretty much took advantage of his old age to encourage everybody to take the settlement from the oil company and use ha half of that settlement to um donate it to the church and it's not that if if it's being donated to the church it's not being donated to monsignor it's being donated to bev imagine having that little power there and imagine if he was out the way although he's a good scapegoat but imagine if he was out the way she would be in charge right I am 100% on board. <laughs> I did not think of this, but I am so there right now. Bev sent him to Jerusalem so he'd never come back. She knew the condition he was in, mm -hmm. and she knew what she was doing. Right. I mean, and you know what? It, it's believable because, like, we've seen what she's done with a little bit of power. Yeah. She's just doing whatever she wants, you know, killing dogs, being evil all over the place, being a huge hypocrite. Yeah. Why wouldn't she just send away the person, the only person who's above her in terms of, like, <laughs> the power yeah i would um there's a lot of things to not support my little accusational theory but nah. you know <laughs> nah. we'll get that's what happened i hate that so mm -hmm. okay so now we're, um father paul is confessing we don't yeah he's confessing he's saying the stuff about jerusalem and talking about monsignor and he's trying to get forgiveness from god but mm -hmm. we cut away from there and we go right back to the action, right to the the moment that Lisa stands up. Yeah, everyone's freaking out. She takes her communion. She walks down the stairs. Obviously, her parents are filled with joy. Everyone in the church is looking at each other because a miracle just happened. I mean, there's there's no way around it. That that shouldn't have happened, and it did. Her <laughs> spine was severed, and it is healed now. Yes. So everyone is, you know getting a little choked up you know even even the father's getting a little choked up it's getting a little too choked up mm -hmm. and he has to take a step outside you know he's like you know something's really caught in his throat <laughs> so he starts running outside and of course bev being bev has to follow him around <laughs> and the man clearly needs a minute to breathe yes. and bev's just like not letting him He's, she's suffocating him. She's just like, Father, Father, Father Paul, please. No, Father, answer me right now. And he's like choking. And she just doesn't care. She keeps asking him questions. Like, obviously, he needs a minute. Leave him alone. He runs to his home, closes the door. She opens it right up, walks right in. Father, Father. I hate her. And then the father seems to be really ill. I mean, he seems to be coughing all over the place. Yeah. yeah. And coughing and... We see him coughing into a sink, and mm -hmm. it zooms out, and we see it. it looks like, you know, blood. Is it blood? Well, is like, it? Yeah, I mean, I, I it's know. red. It is red. 
but like it's like a winish reddish color i don't know uh, at the end okay mm. maybe it is blood i'm just saying uh, whatever we'll talk about it later <laughs> um i have a little theory going on but but okay while bev is talking to him while he's coughing up blood what is she, mm. what, what's going on with that she's in the house she's lingering there and I think this so is- she she finally gives the man a minute after <laughs> he starts coughing up blood. She's like, you know what? My work's a little bit done. I can relax. And she looks around and she sees a little something on the wall. We don't actually know what it is. And she gets up close to it and she starts to have this look on her face like like she actually felt something for once in her life. <laughs> she just understood something and her face brightens up like you never thought it could. And then in the background, out of focus, you can see the father coming out. And he has the body language of a man who just got caught. Yeah. But we don't know exactly what we saw. (laughs) She just looks back toward the father. And we transition to scenes. What do you think is going on there? I mean, we know what's going on there. Yeah, so no need to discuss. We we find out what she sees. And it's a nice revelation. Tonight's episode <laughs> has so many revelations. Yes. So we we cut into the doctor's office where Lisa is being examined by the doctor because obviously we need to know what's going on. Yeah. How is she up on her feet? Her parents are there. The mayor is there, who I initially <laughs> didn't trust. But now I just feel like he's too dumbfounded to have an overarching plan. <laughs> so I kind of trust him more now. Yeah. He just seems like, you know, mm-hmm. and of course, the everyday guy. Bev, uh, not Bev, um, Sarah's a doctor, so her mind has to go immediately to there's there's something more going on, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, well, let's let's give you an update on Lisa. Lisa can walk now. However, uh, there's a lot of muscles that she hasn't used in a long time, so... They're being activated, but they're still kind of weak, as diagnosed by Dr. Sarah. So the doctor gives her a cane, tells her how to use it. But the doctor also is immediately like, okay, we got we got to take her to the mainland. We got to get her to some, you know, higher up doctors, tell her, tell them everything and tell them, like, she's walking again. We need her examined. We need to find out. And... Lisa's parents are just like, nah, no, no, nah. We we don't want to do that. Let's just call it a miracle and call it a day. And Doctor Sarah's like, if we find out something that she has within her body that can be that can cure this other people, why not take advantage of it? And then this is something that kind of broke my heart a little bit, and it makes sense. But Lisa's parents yeah. said. We've been to the mainland many times, trying all kinds of experiments, drugs, um, anything that can cure her and have her walk again. But you know, obviously, you know, obviously it didn't work. And right now we're on food stamps of how much money. And you know, the mom jumped in and was like, "Not that it wasn't worth it, because mm-hmm. it was worth it." They they tried as much as they can to reverse what happened to Lisa and give her, give their daughter, the ability to walk again, 
that was taken away from her unfortunately and that it's i i can't imagine you know i don't want to imagine mm-hmm. how hard that must be but it did dry up all their bank accounts and dr sarah understands uh, yeah they even they even went as far to say um they now rent yeah their home when they used to own it they yeah. had to sell it back and they're going through some rough times and as as a defense goes for not getting more tests mm-hmm. that was a pretty good one like not only can we not afford it financially because we live in america we <laughs> we don't want to put lisa through any more medical exams because yeah. she's been through a million of them already and she's finally okay like they just don't want to do that and i i kind of understood them in that moment yeah so it was uh let's not second guess a gift from god powerful, powerful. that is what they said yeah so we 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 end that scene, great scene, and we go on back to the doctor's house where she's trying to deal with her mother. Mm-hmm. And the doctor's looking around for her mother. He's like, where the heck is she? And she notices that there's creaking coming from upstairs. And she bolts upstairs and she's like, mom, what are you doing up here? You have two broken hips. I don't even know how you made it up here. And she's she's looking at her old room and she's like, this was my room. And she seems a little more cognizant than we've ever really seen her before yeah. not like too much but she seems a little more cognizant and it is very impressive how she scaled those stairs yeah how did she do that yeah that was dr sarah's mm-hmm. concern like how am i gonna get mm-hmm. you down <laughs> so so we don't linger on the scene too long but it, it does leave a lot of questions in your head and does strengthen the theory we had from last time where it's just like these people are being healed somehow they're being healed at the mass (laughs) so we we unfortunately and i'm very sorry about this we cut to a scene where bev's talking (laughs) and she's talking to a group of people who are obviously trying to get their own miracles done because they have witnessed what happened to liza yeah and then bev despite herself gives a good speech where she's saying that's not how this works. And we all know that that's not how it works. God doesn't heal people for glory or anything like that. That is not how these things get done. Now let's just pray. So she deflected that pretty well. Everyone, you know, kind of went with it. They started praying and they stopped asking for miracles. While the father looked a little... I don't know. I, I I really can't even read the father anymore. Can you? <laughs> like his facial expressions. He looks scared, but then he also always knows what he's doing. He's, um, how can I put this? I mean, like, there's something wrong with him. And I think that's, that's eating away at him. And he mm-hmm. is trying his hardest not to show it. And he's, he does a great job. I mean, the even keel like way he always keeps himself he never he never well sometimes he almost never gets mad he always has the right words to say he doesn't really stumble on his words he always knows what to do next (laughs) which makes him a really good speaker and a really good sponsor because in the next scene (laughs) after bev's little you know prayer circle we cut to the next aa meeting between Father Paul and Riley. Oh, yeah. Riley Flynn. 
<laughs> and I love this scene because yes. they start off and Riley's just like, are, are you serious? Are we just not going to talk about it? <laughs> we're we're just going to pretend we didn't. All right. We can talk about it if you want. You know, whatever. I'm just Father Paul. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's obviously a huge elephant in this room. Yeah. And they start to talk about it. Do you remember what happens here? Uh, it just, it was, um, well, Riley was quick to jump on it, right? Just, mm -hmm. um, like Father Paul is just like, well, what do you want to talk about it? We can talk about it. And Riley just goes, there's an explanation for it, right? There's always an explanation. If there's anything religious, religion has the answers to is what science can't explain. I mean, it's not, he didn't say it directly in those words, but that's what mm -hmm. I, I feel that's what he was alluding to. Just that um, religion's always there to explain the unexplained. So um, this can't be explained now, but it something something it, it he thinks Riley thinks it can be explained through you know take her to a doctor have her examined. It's not a miracle. It's just something in her body activated. Or maybe misdiagnosis anything. She was misdiagnosed is the one that the non-believers keep saying. Yeah. So, um, was it? He can rationalize everything that happened to her except one thing, and that was Father Paul knew. To to, Father Paul knew, he had to know. He went up on the stairs and urged her kept beckoning her to come and and walk to him and riley makes a damn good point he's like like how'd you know that that would have happened at that moment because if she couldn't do it or she refused to do it he, just the whole time would have just you know <laughs> hated you yeah just they, they would have turned their back on him and that's it he, all their who knows how many people would have lost their faith that day you know, and Father Paul was very honest, and he said, "Like, I know you're not gonna like the answer. You're not gonna like my explanation for it. It's because it's a spiritual answer. He could feel it. Father Paul can feel it. Um, was it a? You could tell in the look on Riley's face that, you know." <laughs> He was not satisfied. Yeah, he wasn't satisfied with the answer. And Father Paul's like, you are not going to be satisfied with my answer. I could hear her voice mm -hmm. in my head calling to me. Like, I could hear a voice saying that she can do it. I just, and when she wheeled past me, I felt it. It was, it was in my head. It was in my soul. And I knew she could do it. And that's why I beckoned her to walk. <laughs> well, nothing else else to say. As he beckons her, as he says the words, beckon her to walk, they transition to Liza doing just that. She's walking down the street with her boyfriend. I'm going to call him boyfriend, Warren. Aww. Yeah. And she's cuddling up to Warren. She's using a cane because earlier on the doctor suggested that she should use a cane just to help those little muscles catch up, you know? Yeah. And they're getting a lot of stares from the townsfolk. <laughs> to me, it's coming across as creepy, but I think it is kind of natural for everyone to stare at somebody who 
it's perceived by everyone to have just went through a miracle. Like yeah. this person is walking when they have no earthly reason for them to be able to walk. Yeah. And then you mentioned during the scene that it's probably also a lot of animosity, you know, like a lot of jealousy. Yes. Um, there's, there's a, there's a big difference between envy and jealousy. Uh, you mm-hmm. saw a lot of envious stares and I, I saw a lot of jealous stares. Mm-hmm. Shout out to all the actors there. If they're trying to make that distinction, you did a very good job. There are some people who are like, I want that. And there are other people who's like, I need that. Why does she have it? Kind of mentality. Just, And it's natural. Why is she healed and why, is, why am I not healed? You know, what makes her special? As well as... Um, what did she do to get healed and how can I do that? You know, and there's only one, you know what she did do. Yeah. She went to church every single day, That's, that's which is <laughs> probably the message everyone's going to pick up. They're yeah. just like, all right, well, she did that. I'm going to do that. We learn that from early on, the amount of people attending morning mass was not high. <laughs> Father mm-hmm. Paul made a very passionate speech about that, that, Almost made me attend St. Patrick's, but obviously I couldn't. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Just too far from me. I was busy that day. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> that's the only that's the only thing everybody in the island can agree on, right? So, <laughs> and obviously they followed her as she walked to school with a cane. Everybody's excited. Miss Green's there. And she has this look like... I don't know, I feel like a protective look. I don't know, I may be reading that wrong, mm-hmm. but like it's hard it's hard not to notice all these people looking at her, looking at Lisa. She's worried. Mm-hmm. She's like a motherly figure now. Mm-hmm. But she's worried about Lisa and that's that's kind of what I read on her face. She's just worried about her. Yeah. So we um we transition from the school and we go to the Flynn household. And Mama and Papa Flynn are just kind of hanging out, you know, doing their thing. And Papa Flynn decides he wants to put on some music. He bends over. Big mistake. He's He knows he's going to pay for it. He instinctively reaches for his back because it's like, it's going to crack in half. I can't believe I did this. I threw out my back again. But it's fine. <laughs> his back is actually perfect. He even does a little stretch just to, just to flex how good he is right now. Yeah. And he looks over at his wife. And he looks right into her eyes because she's not wearing her glasses. Mm-hmm. And he's like, man, my wife's beautiful. I want to dance. So he puts on their favorite song. And then it goes into a really beautiful scene mm-hmm. where they play this entire song. And it starts off with him. Yeah, it was a good song. <laughs> I wish I knew the name of the song, but I don't. <laughs> it starts off with... Papa Flynn beckoning Mama Flynn for a dance. And she's like, what about your back? There's no way you could dance with me. And he just proceeds to be the smoothest man in the world. Mm-hmm. And he dances with her. And they hug and it's super cute. And then we just have this big scene of like, I guess like the week going by or maybe a couple weeks going by. You know? Was it um? And Neil Diamond Holly Holy? <laughs> Neil Diamond, Holly Holy. I heard Neil Diamond is good. So, yes. I heard correctly. This is a good <laughs> song. 
So it transitions to show, I guess, like a week passing and a lot of events transpire. Mm. One of the events that transpires is Lisa. It wants to be a little mischievous since she can actually do things now and be mischievous and, you know, break the rules. She snuck out of her house and she went to go pick up her boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And she, you know, she's dancing outside. Warren's super happy to see her. And it's a really cute scene. Warren, like, sneaks out the house because nobody's monitoring him. They're all busy dancing and doing whatever, <laughs> staring into the abyss. Um, his brother doesn't actually notice him leaving this time like that one time. He's actually busy writing a list. And you see a big list of names. Mm -hmm. At the bottom of that list is Tara Beth. Yep. And he looks and ca it catches me off guard because the song's all nice and cute and it's still going. But he looks away from his list and he looks at the corner of the room and we see Tara Beth again. And it terrified me. Even though the song was good. <laughs> terrified. So yeah, he goes for a walk and he eventually ends up at Miss Green's house mm -hmm. and they share a cup of coffee. It looked like she was expecting him because yes. she had like two cups of she coffee. She had two cups mm -hmm. of coffee. Yeah. This seems like a regular thing. And you know what? I'm so about it. A little relationships spouting here. Lisa and Warren, Miss Green and Riley. I, I just like it. Everything's mm -hmm. coming together pretty well in terms of like the ships in this show. Speaking of ships, so Warren <laughs> and Lisa go on a little boat or ship and they sail out to the lake. And I can only assume that they're sailing out to that little island yeah, because Lisa's never gotten a chance. The Uppards, right? Yeah. They didn't show them at the Uppards, but I just assume that's where they're going because Lisa's like, look, it's a rite of passion, uh, passage. Nice. I've never been able to do it before. <laughs> I saw what you did there. Yeah. I do think they showed a little I've never been able <laughs> Where did they? Yeah, I think so. Where they're up in the the uppers, you know. And obviously, I'm a concerned parent. I'm like, oh, no, not the uppers. <laughs> he might be there, or it's no the thing. <laughs> yeah, I was actually like expecting that thing to show up a lot more in this episode because there were so many nighttime scenes. I was like, yeah. no, yeah, not my boy Warren. <laughs> but no, nothing like that happened. The song's still going. We show a nice Sunday mass, packed house, you know, everyone's there singing, going crazy. Um, they show a nice scene of the sheriff and his son praying. They show a scene of Bev. And this scene kind of threw me off a bit. They see us. They show a scene of Bev with the poison. Yes, that is true. with poison. Now, I'm a little concerned about this. Whoa. Oh, I know. I'm going to say oh, it. Oh, my God. It out too. Oh. I was just about to say it. I was just about to oh. say it. Okay. Oh. So they show this scene with Bev. They show this scene with Bev. <laughs> my theory. I go back to my damn theory in the beginning. <laughs> Fuck what I said about not sure. I am 100%. Okay, go on. Go. So they go to the scene in the big song transitional scene. But they show Bev putting the fatal poison back. And part of you can think, oh, man, you know, she's just putting back the poison she used to poison the dog. Mm -hmm. But a savvier viewer will think, mm -hmm. no, that must have happened way before. What was she doing with this poison? Right. And throughout this episode, we're going to jump a little ahead and just spoil a few things. <laughs> the father Paul has been sick 
very often in this episode and you know it all accumulates to his big collapse where he seemingly suffocates on his own blood yes very weird thing to happen to such a healthy young man (laughs) and you know i was thinking throughout the episode oh like maybe using his powers or whatever he's using to heal everyone is taking a toll on him but it isn't he's literally being poisoned by bev because he's stealing the show yes and bev wants the power yes that raises concerns that raises a lot mm-hmm. of concerns. What is she doing to poison? Like, we know she's using it to poison them, but how? And I'm afraid it might be... I mean, nah, she wouldn't do that. She wouldn't put it in the wine that he's giving out to everybody. No, because then other people would get sick. Right. I mean, he's definitely spiking the wine with a little something, something. But yeah. she... She's poisoning him. I just don't know how because this scene confuses me. She puts the poison back right now, but he's suffering from the effects of poison throughout the episode. Or maybe this is just one of the attempts. (laughs) You know, like she took it, poisoned him, put it back. Yeah. And why is she poisoning him? He's done nothing but bring people to the church. Maybe she's tired of being number two, you know? Yeah. That's my theory. That is my theory. We'll go on more into that. I have lots to say about this now. Anyway, so she puts back the the poison. And what else? Any other scenes we see in this? Uh, I'm trying to think. Okay, so she... She puts back the poison. And then... What happens? You tell me. Uh, I mean, this is all part of the... The montage, right? Of the song? Yeah of um the the, oh i remember the flynn's dancing uh yeah we're still in that montage we see the sheriff and joe share a cup of coffee in the morning after a recent binge (laughs) and then we also cut to a big scene where we're passing out pamphlets the entire congregation liza her parents everyone's passing out pamphlets with the word miracle and Liza's image on it. And I guess Liza's okay because she's passing it out too. Yeah. But they're really selling it to the entire town. There, There's really like a, a big religious movement going on right now. Yeah. And everybody's showing up. Everybody's going to church. We see mm-hmm. church is a packed house. And you can you see Father Paul desperately trying to um, hold back his his smile just nice mm-hmm. he's like he, he has a job to do but it's nice to see the church full again mm-hmm. and we see a handful of other scenes we see we see we do see them at the say the name again uppers. that little secret place the uppers, the uppers. Yeah. we do see lisa and warren share a kiss at the uppers super cute another cute scene with the other favorite couple uh miss green and riley they're building a little crib together. Aww, Super yeah. nice. Yeah. I know. Everything's going good. And then we cut to the Mama and Papa Flynn, another great couple. <laughs> Ending the song as he dips her like he never thought he could. Yeah. Beautiful scene. I want this show to win like an Emmy. Because <laughs> the acting in it and all these scenes, like it's perfect. Yeah. It's just so good. Yes. Everything. The acting alone, like that—that's crazy good. Yeah, everything just comes together so nice. 
So in this next scene, we're we're getting ready for another Sunday mass. And the altar boys are there. We know there's younger kids in the town now, but you know what? The altar boys are the delinquent and Warren. They're getting all the supplies ready. And the father's in the room. And he says, good work, boys. I got this covered. And he tries to send them out to get started. Um, they have the little incense. I don't know if you guys know this, but in mass, the altar boys or sometimes the priest will swing some incense around in this little device that has incense burning. And Warren has forgotten to light it. So he goes back into the room to try and get the lighter. And he sees that Father Paul is spiking the wine. A little something, something. A little, from a flask. A little something extra from a flask. <laughs> That's what makes it weird. <laughs> now, Warren doesn't think twice about it, but... That's a strange scene. And we'll find out why later. He does play it off pretty coolly. He's like, hey, Warren. Doesn't even flinch. Yeah. He doesn't jump. He he's just like, finishes what he's doing. I need I need a lighter. And he's just like, yeah, here you go. Here's the lighter. Have fun. Mm -hmm. Anything else? Any questions? All right, cool. Bye. Bye. This man's a guy's a class act. Like he, he knows what he's doing. He knows how to lie by omission. <laughs> And then we proceed to give one of those rousing speeches that could never be done justice by us. Oh, yeah. Do you remember the speech? Yeah. Um, he, I don't know. I know he brings up, I can't do it justice. He's, he's, There's no way. Yeah, he's rising up. He is explaining that there, uh, he has no answers to everything that's going on, right? Um. He has no answers, and what the Bible teaches is mysteries, right? He says something like that, mysteries. There's a lot of mysteries surrounding the world, and as adults, we we don't like mysteries because we need an answer. But he, back, uh, he, he calls for everybody to find the child within themselves and yearn for that mystery. Love the, like... <laughs> There's no answer to why these miracles are happening, but don't look for the answer. Love that is happening. And this this scene really, these words really choke up Father Paul because that's when he starts coughing <laughs> and wiping his forehead and collapses. A little yeah, bit, little almost bit like more. he was poisoned. Almost. <laughs> More happened in the scene, but we can't do it justice. Listen to Father Paul's um, mass, I guess, um, mass speech. So just do a compilation every of Sunday. all his, That's what I'm going to do every Sunday. Just take a compilation of all his speeches and just rise and shine. <laughs> um, yeah, that speech was amazing. I feel like the the mysteries commentary was a little bit of like meta commentary yeah. on the audience. Like, you know, we love to know the ending. We don't like mysteries to be unsolved. We want to get answers. And in this episode, we do get a lot of answers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so they're playing with the audience a little bit there. Yeah. So, yeah, but he collapses almost like he was yeah. poisoned. And, um,. From here. And you know what, Bev looked like she was ready for it. Like she understood <laughs> that he was going to pass on. That'd be something very interesting to look out for. 
if, if for anybody who rewatches this, just watch Bev's uh, uh reactions, my timing, you know. Mm-hmm. Like how so- does she react too soon to things? But anyway, um, so everybody's freaking out because of Father Paul. He's collapsed in the church, and then this is when we come back to him and in confession. We come back, he's doing his little confession, and he's carrying on with the story that we left off earlier. Yeah. He's carrying on with the story of Father Pruitt, the old Monsignor. He gets lost in Jerusalem, like we mentioned, but then he wanders into a sandstorm. And he goes through the sandstorm, and it's a kind of storm that just kicks up the sand in a way that it reveals things that are lost in the desert, that were lost to time. And as the sandstorm kicks up, he sees in the distance an opening. Some ruins reveal themselves, and he sees an opening. It's like a cave, almost. And since the sandstorm is raging around him, he wants to get into the cave. So Monsignor starts to go in, and we see the light illuminating the entrance of the cave. And then it kind of jump scares you, (laughs) because... As the father is telling the story in the pew, a light shines on his face, and it's revealed that this is just a visual trick. It's um, actually the doctor shining the light in his eyes, examining him. So the father, Paul's okay. He's fine. He checks out. The doc checks him out. He's breathing just fine. Maybe a little sick, like he's fighting off something. Maybe a virus. Maybe a poison. Who knows? (laughs) And then you know what we see in this scene? Now that I think of it, the doctor tells him that he's dehydrated. So you know what happens? Mm-hmm. Bev goes to the sink yep. and gets him a glass of water yep. filled with poison. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. I don't know if this theory is true, but I, I feel like it is. <laughs> Um, I, I'm a hundred percent all for that theory, and I, and I'll explain more towards the end. But yes, as soon as he, um, colla- uh, as soon as the doc said, you're you're dehydrated, no more salty food, and drink lots of water. Bev is on it, and it it could be mistaken as that she's trying to help, but we're not falling for it, Bev. We're not following for it, Miss Keen. Mm-hmm. but another so we have a, but another another interesting thing because this goes yeah. back to our original another theory we had um uh father paul was like i think i think doctor he's like thank you thank you dr sarah you know you, you really do mm-hmm. so much for the community you bring smiles you help people it's true and then he looks at her, he's like i'm proud of you and I'm just like, yep. Water. A father. It's a very fatherly thing to say. Lots of take all the puns with that. I don't care. Um <laughs> I would have loved it if he was like, I'm proud of you. And then she's like, Thank you, father. Like father as in priest, but also <laughs> that's her father. <laughs> so I thought that was That's good. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was good. Nice so, little touch. We have this little brief scene after that. 
um, where the sheriff, Sheriff Handsome Man, I forgot his name. Sheriff, Hassan. just sheriff. Sheriff Hassan. Sheriff Hassan. He is making breakfast for Ali, but then he notices that there's something in his bag. And initially I thought it was like, oh, it's, it's his diary or something. Don't look in there. Hmm. But it is actually a Bible. Ooh. So his kid seems to be interested in the Bible. And, you know, he has a little bit of concern on his face. But we don't linger on this scene too long. We don't really get to breathe in the scene because we move on to the greatest scene in the whole episode. Probably the whole series, even though I haven't seen all of it. We go to Joe's trailer. And I there's no way... Like, talk about not being able to do a scene justice. But this scene needs an Emmy. This scene um, needs an Emmy. We we see Joe in his armchair watching some kind of sporting thing on the world's oldest TV, <laughs> and he's getting TV. super drunk. <laughs> the first, <laughs> the first one that the island <laughs> ever got. Yeah, he's all wasted, and he's getting mad because someone's pounding on the door, and he goes open the door like he's gonna beat them up, and he just jumps back in fear. And the way he jumped back, I thought it was like a bigger person. Yeah. Like somebody who's going to kick his ass instead. <laughs> but it's Lisa who walks in. Ooh. And this scene's so powerful. I can't even begin. Okay. I can only tell you how I felt in this scene. We, we, another scene we can't do justice. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's just too good. It's too good. It's beyond commentary. It's just yeah. it's just amazing. I have, I have a little issue with that scene. Well, not like yeah. not issue about how it would how it played out very well acted on both sides like i agree with you that scene alone deserves all the awards um my my issue is with what the character was speaking to joe but mm-hmm. i'll get into that in a bit okay okay <laughs> i i can't wait because i can't see any flaws in this scene <laughs> i so she she walks in she sees joe's guns on the wall and god every line she says oh, is just you knew it was getting you fire. right in the gut you knew it was gonna be fire when she saw that gun on the wall i was like oh is that the one she's oh mm-hmm. is this the one that did it and joe's obviously falling to pieces already she's barely spoken but he's saying no no that's my grandfather's gun the gun that did this to you that, that did the thing like i threw it into the river like instantly yeah which, you know, in retrospect, kids could find that gun. Maybe dispose of it better. But whatever. It's <laughs> fine. Like, I understood the scene. Yeah. He he couldn't bear to look at it anymore. Right. And his face... Oh, my God. This actor's so good. He was, like, riddled with guilt. Yep. His face is just nothing but sorrow. Mm-hmm. And she comes in and she just unloads probably years of repressed anger yeah. and hate and vitriol at him. And it's well-deserved because of what happened to her and she's just unloading on him and despite what he did i'm just feeling so bad for him um because she's just letting it all out and she deserves to let it all out and he knows that and he's just taking it she's telling him that she hates him she hates him she says his full name that i don't even know it's just (laughs) joe to me but she says his full name and she hates him she wants him to suffer and it's it's so powerful the the words she chooses and the the way she delivers these lines. Oh man, like but uh, it it she didn't feel it. Yeah, she did when when she was walking with her father, and 
God, she described she, the scene. Yeah. She falls to the ground, but she didn't feel what happened to her. She doesn't know she fell onto the ground. She hears her father scream the most blood curling scream that she's ever heard. She's never heard it before. She's never heard it since. She only heard she heard that scream, and she doesn't understand why he's screaming because she didn't feel anything that would get her to the ground. And that's when it hit her. She doesn't feel anything, and that's when she let out the most blood curling scream she's ever had. She hates Joe. Joe took away her future. She, uh, she, I don't know. She said something about time travel. I don't know what she said. It was fucking awesome. Like, like she, she like he fucked with time. Some flash, reverse flash shit. I don't know, but <laughs> I fucking love that line. He took her future from her. She took everything from her. What she could have been, what she should have been, that was gone, and that was taken because of him. And he he stole it. He can't. He's all he can say is I'm sorry, and mm-hmm. he knows it's not good enough, and. She's just like, you're damn right you're sorry. You know? Um, I hate you. She but. said <laughs> she, she said, You reached through time, Joe, and stole uh, everything from me. Uh, it hurts. Say it one more time, I could you, you reached through time, Joe, and stole everything from me. Oh, fuck man. It's super good. Yes. <laughs> and then just just to bring it on home just to put the final nail in this coffin mm-hmm. she she says all that and she's like that's not even why i'm here for like that's not why i'm in your trailer right now i'm here and you know she's really struggling to say it but she just says it all at once i forgive you mm. and that that's it like he's bawling at this point yeah that he he could not handle to hear that and she just goes on to say, I forgive you. I forgive you. The thing that was that prevents prevented me from moving on and being who I want to be is all the hate that I've held on and the hate I still feel. I still have it with me. But I also forgive you. And the more I say it, the more I feel it. And you know, you can be a better person too. Just like hate was the only thing keeping me back from being who I wanted to be, the only thing keeping you from being who you want you to be is you you're standing in your own way and you could live a better life and fucking joe just keeps breaking down more Um, she starts quoting some scripture and she just destroys the man and heals him at the same time do you know what proverbs are it's wisdom and knowledge my she taught so, yeah. so here's my my thing. I have no problem with any of that, right? I don't care that all of it was beautiful. Well acted on both sides. I felt every word coming out of her mouth. I felt Joe's fr- sorrow. I felt how backed up he felt. All he can do is say sorry because he knows he can't do anything to change that that day. You know, even if she's healed mm-hmm. now, who she, he stole a number of years from her being able to walk who knows what could have happened during that time you know maybe he put he put her parents in debt he can't erase that he did he did do that so my and i said issue it's not really an issue um 
can Lisa know what it is to forgive? Can she do that? She can, can she? say she can forgive because she's walking again. It's easy to say that. What would happen if she can't walk again? Can can she still be for, as forgiving? Like let's say the miracle rebounds, reverses, and now she's back in a wheelchair. Will she be that way to Joe? She talks all this about forgiveness, but it's easy to forgive because she can walk again. How long? How long can that be? If she truly forgives him, you know. And I'm, I'm. It's a question. This is that's something I'm mm-hmm. questioning. Um, can she truly for? To be truly forgiving is to understand. Is to if that gets taken away from her, her stance hasn't changed. She can still build that bridge to heal what happened in the past and move on from it. I don't know. Only. Only four more episodes will tell, right? <laughs> I read it like she physically healed, but she didn't emotionally heal. Mm-hmm. And this was her doing that. This was her taking the steps to emotionally move on from yeah. it so that she could free herself. Yeah. She was doing the mentally healthy thing. Yes. But I get what you're saying. Would she be able to do this? Would she be this strong and be able to forgive the same way if the wrong wasn't righted if it was just still a consequence. But then again, like she said, she's still not getting those years back. She still has to forgive him for that. And I think she does do that. (laughs) Yeah. uh, That's the only thing I have to say. So it's just an add on a little question, but beautiful scene nonetheless. And then we just have back to back crazy good scenes because we're we're in the school now we have a lot of parents gathered around and apparently bev's a member of the faculty i just she has her nose in everything (laughs) it's so infuriating so we have miss green the teacher for i guess everybody and then bev who's also like a teacher i guess Mm -hmm. and Bev apparently handed out a bunch of Bibles to all the students in school. And since it's a public school, that's a big deal because you're supposed to have freedom of religion there. You're not supposed to push any type of religious beliefs onto any kids. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what she's doing when she passes out Bibles. Right. And another scene where we're just not going to be able to do it justice, but (laughs) the sheriff gives an amazing speech where he kind of tricks Bev and plays at her own game where he's saying look i have no problem with jesus i have no problem with that we believe jesus was a prophet in our religion in the muslim faith and he goes on to explain you know things about the muslim faith that bev obviously didn't know she didn't (laughs) know jesus was a part of it Mm -hmm. and how he knows a whole lot about the bible he studied it himself like he's fine with his son reviewing it and looking at it the issue on the table is just that it's happening at a school. Yeah. Okay, this is a public school. You can't just put religious material around the school. How would they feel if he put, um, forgive my ignorance, uh, it's like the Quran? Quran? Yeah, the Quran. Yeah, how would, how would they feel if he had the Quran and he was passing it around the entire school? Yeah. They would chase him off the island. But then Bev 
What did she do? Yeah, tell me. Uh, well, Miss Key, uh, Miss Keen, Miss Green, <laughs> Miss Green, Aaron was understanding. She understand. She understands. Uh, <sighs> Sheriff Hassan's point. Um, and he makes a very good one. You know, like, like if you're gonna do this, you can't just bring it up abruptly. He has no problem with his uh with his son learning about the Bible. He himself has read the Bible and you can see you can feel the fucking eye roll <laughs> that Mesquite <laughs> gives, you know? Like, yeah, uh-huh, whatever, Muslim. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> That's what she said pretty much. And Bev defends her point by avoiding the fuck out of the question. And she gives a long impassioned speech that if to the untrained ear <laughs> will make very good points. She's not mm-hmm. um she's not forcing anything with everything that's going on in the island. She um she feels like handing it out will help people understand because it's happening at St. Patrick's Church, right? Um and she does a very good job of you know uh, saying the speech to the point where like people in the in the class were clapping like some of the parents were clapping you could see some of the parents that had their arms crossed just like Sheriff Hassan and they like you know um but Aaron kept pointing out that she's not answering his question she's avoiding his question and just making a passionate speech ab- about religion to point give her point like get her point across and her her point ended up being my religion's the best because there's miracles in town and there's a big religious revival going on you can't deny it and she just ignored his stuff and just said and that's how it is yeah this school's gonna be a religious school now yeah and most of the fact most of the parents were behind it mm-hmm. and he was beat there yeah. one little thing i wanted to mention though um i forgot the line but he goes on during his portion of this argument he wanted her to understand what he was trying to say he was trying to prove his point so he was explaining all the different parts of the muslim faith and he was getting into detail Mm. and she was like look sheriff um this is not the place for us to discuss the differences in our beliefs and he's like yeah that's my point exactly that's the problem (laughs) so he got his point across super clearly she gave a bunch of bullshit and everyone ate it up but she didn't make any points she just said my religion's cool and that's it basically and and this is the second time they've they've verbally sparred and it's always that when he has her on the ropes like the first time they had the conversation he never accused her of poisoning anybody uh, uh poisoning joe's dog but he did mm-hmm. he did the question he asked her one question and he let her over talk and she used that opportunity when she realized what happened in my opinion she realized she was over talking and she turned it around and put it back on him and he caught it and he knew exactly what was going on like he put everything together it's just about him proving it and he can't prove it that's just it that's the unfortunate thing and she knows that um by saying like oh you'd have uh anybody has access to the poison in this closet because it's for the entire town you'd have you have to have me lock it up that doesn't answer the freaking question that he opposed you know 
Mm-hmm. But she 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 over talked her way into that point because you know whatever, and then over in this scene, he he verbally swore with her again, got her on the ropes, and she used the Lisa's parents were in the room, so all she has to do is just bring up the miracle, bring up everybody's curiosity, and to say I have every right to do this, even though she doesn't, and Aaron was right there calling her out on her bullshit and she just kept talking over Aaron you know just so whatever sense Aaron was trying to make of the situation she was like nah not happening you know I'm getting away with this mm-hmm. and I don't care <sighs> and she did yep. damn it she did yep. And so after this scene Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. You got no, yeah, I was gonna say after this. The, uh, at this point, we see we cut to Aaron and Riley together, and Aaron's just venting off about the situation. I've never related to a character more in my <laughs> life. He's just like, man, you know, I hate Bev, and I was like, yeah, I do hate Bev. Hello, <laughs> Miss Green. <laughs> she was just talking shit about her, just like I hate this self righteous, horrible lady. I'm tired of seeing her face, mm-hmm. um, and everyone's eating it up. I just I hate to see her lie, and Riley's like, yeah, yeah, that's true. He kind of, you know, is thinking about something else, and she asks how he's going, and he's just talking about his, you know, his recovery. I would call it recovery. Yeah. Um, he has to, you know, confront all the people he's wronged, but he's having trouble doing that in person. So he started writing letters. Yeah. And eventually, he's gonna send these letters out. Yeah. And I'm interested to see what they say. Yeah. Because I think we're gonna learn a lot more about the sh- the horrible things that Riley got up to when yeah. he was younger. He calls himself a coward, mm-hmm. and then she's like, "Don't you ever do that." <laughs> if I saw somebody calling you a coward, I don't know what I would do. And then she's like, "I would kick their ass, actually." <laughs> and she had a little cute scene with him, and she like kicks him. And she's like, just like this, bam. And he's like, that was my thigh, actually, but whatever. And she's like, fine, I'll kick them in the thighs, whatever. Aw, cute. It was cute. It was so cute. Hmm. <laughs> so what happens after that scene? Um, I think, uh, do we? We go to the doctor's house. Oh. We have another visit there. Okay, I was going to jump ahead. But yeah, go for it. Mm-hmm. Well, we we have another scene at the doctor's house, and this one's a big one, mm-hmm. a really big one. Yeah. So the doctor is getting frustrated because her mom got out of bed again. She's like, "Man, we're gonna have to strap you down. <laughs> What's going on with you, mom? Why do you even talk like this to you? It's like I'm speaking German." And the <laughs> the mom looks at her and she's like, "It's she's just like waking up. She's just saying, like I've been in this fog. Like I don't know where I was, but." I'm here now. It's it's like everything, like I'm clear. She didn't say I'm clear, but that's what it felt like she was saying. She's like, I'm here right now. Mm-hmm. And I can see you, my daughter. Like, I, I see you. What happened to me? Like, where was I? And I think the doctor can kind of see that she's she's coherent. She's, she's in the moment right now. She's not in a haze like she normally is. Mm-hmm. She's better. And they have a little teary-eyed scene. They hug, and the implications of this are going to be shown later, I guess. Yeah. But it's a big scene. I mean, she's cured of her Alzheimer's or whatever it was she was suffering from, dementia. Yeah, something. And 
you can see that she's been slowly getting better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is scary <laughs> in itself. You know what I mean? It's. I'm just like at this point, I'm scared because I just don't want her to have to go back. Like I don't want it to be like like flowers for Algernon, where like you gain, you know, clearness, and then you have to go back to the way you were, and you have to know that you're going back. Like Ugh. it's so rough. That does sound rough. Speaking of rough, <laughs> it's another AA meeting. There you go. So we're in another AA meeting. Riley walks in, but unlike every other time, he doesn't see Father Paul sitting by himself. He has a visitor. He has another member, oh. Joe. <laughs> Joe has finally decided to turn his life around because he had the world's most amazing scene happen yep. right before his eyes, and he needs to heal just like Lisa was able to heal. He wants to be able to forgive just like she was. Yeah. This scene was also amazing. I know we say that a lot, but this scene was crazy good. Yeah. How did you feel about it? What happened in the scene? Very good scene. Like, um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Joe's opening up. He's the fact that he went to seek Father Paul, um, is a big breakthrough in itself. And that's something that Riley points out in a, in a very, funny i found it funny but it's also a very powerful scene um joe has i guess he was having a hard time putting his emotions together he just knew he had to have these meetings like he didn't he said the one thing he said the moment she left he didn't want to have another drop of alcohol and he tried like he was he's like oh shit she just unloaded all this shit to me i need a fucking drink and he picked it up and he's like i can't do this and he he mm-hmm. ended up walking a straight line across to the the island just in thought, and that's what made him seek out Father Paul. Father Paul told him about the AA meetings, and that's what brought him there. And then Father Paul is like, "Well, I can't, you know, what you're experiencing right now, I can't. But Riley, you can. You know, <laughs> you can. Uh, you can sum this up pretty well." And, and Riley's like. I'm not in a position to tell anyone what to do with their drinking. I mean, yeah. come on, man. And Father <laughs> Paul's like, cut the shit right now. <laughs> like, how? Just stop this bullshit, Riley. <laughs> yeah. Bullshit, bullshit. He says it a bunch of times. Yeah, like he got. And it really was a little angry. funny. He's like, you came here on the first day with all these walls, and I had to chisel and break it down. I can't put into words what he's going through right now. You cut the bullshit. And find the fucking words to say to <laughs> Which is nice. After a couple meetings of hearing Riley's bullshit, I guess he's <laughs> had enough. He's just like, get the get your shit together, man. It just I sounds, don't know. It was really funny. It just sounds like, oh, now you're speechless? Now you don't have anything to say? <laughs> <laughs> Every time I give a sermon, you have a million things to say, but now. Yeah. But what does so Riley he have? does, mm-hmm. yeah, he does find his his tongue and he says, you know, just being here is enough, yeah, at least for today, yeah, just one day at a time. Basically, the advice that Miss Green gave him, yeah, it's just take it one day at a time. Today, 
your big thing was coming here and you did it. And tomorrow you'll have another thing to do. But if you keep doing these steps little by little, mm-hmm. you're going to make progress. Yeah. It was a really good scene. Mm-hmm. They pack up after the AA meeting. And as they leave, the father holds it together until the clo- door closes. Yeah. And the instant it does, he just starts having this cough attack. He's just coughing up a lung here. He's just going crazy. And I'm starting to wonder, how is Bev poisoning him? I don't understand how she's doing it. She's doing it for sure. I just don't get how she's doing it. But anyway, mm-hmm. Joe and Riley have a nice walk home. Yeah. And they're just, you know, bonding. Uh, Joe, you know, gets real deep into, you know, his self-reflection. He bonds with Riley a little bit at first, making fun of Bev, which is like the best way to get bond with Riley because that's what Miss Green did too. Yeah. Apparently, everyone just goes to Riley to be like, you know that Bev lady? Sucks. I can't Little wait. idiot. I hate her. I can't wait for the Riley Sheriff Hassan scene. <laughs> oh my God. I'm not ready. I bet you Sheriff Hassan's like, man, I hate Bev. <laughs> just writes to Riley. He's like, yeah, I know. Everyone tells him. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, they just walk home together, I guess, until their paths diverge. Yeah. And we learn a lot about Joe in this scene, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe uh, never felt compelled to leave the island, even though he hates living there. And uh, Riley's just like, well, why did you stay? And he's just like, it just felt too easy. Felt too easy to leave. Felt like he didn't deserve to get out. Um, but now he's he's working on forgiving himself. So he may be able to, you know, start over. And one of the things, the only person that had his back all these years was his sister. But his sister left. And he never, even all of that, he never felt compelled to, like, go visit her. Because he just didn't feel like he deserved to leave the island even for that unfortunately she passed away a couple weeks prior to the to this moment and you can feel the regret he's like i could have gone and seen her at least once and even then her kids buried her on the mainland even in death his sister didn't even want to be buried where she was born that's how much They despised that place. While she felt like she needed to leave, he felt like he didn't, even though they both hated the island. And he looks to Riley and says, like, does it get easier? Do we, like, do we forgive? Like, um, do we change? And Riley says, it doesn't, probably doesn't get any easier. But the only thing they can do is just become better people and they shake hands and like kind of like cheers you know cheers to mm-hmm. becoming better people it was a nice scene too lots of nice scenes it back was... to back to back like. <laughs> so i mean this might be my favorite episode i don't know if it's just i got a lot of answers here <laughs> but it, it's the acting is just on fire like yeah. I guess maybe, you know what, this this might be benefited because, as you know, on this show, we review all sorts of stuff. 
And right now we're kind of doing Are You Afraid of the Dark, then Midnight Mass, then Are You Afraid of the Dark. <laughs> so I guess in comparison, this is not to do it, you know, an injustice, but this is way different quality levels <laughs> in acting. Maybe maybe the acting in Are You Afraid of the Dark is kind of influencing how I feel <laughs> about their acting right now. But it, but I can't tell. All right. It seems like Oscar worthy performances all around. Agreed. <clears throat> I agree with that. So what happens? Speaking next? of crazy good scenes, Uh-oh. we get the confrontation that was building up between Sheriff and his son, oh, no. Ali. Oh. Mm-hmm. 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 So <laughs> the sheriff and Ali finish praying on their prayer mats and they fold them up. And then Ali wants to talk to his dad. His dad sits down. He's like, sure, son. Let's have a moment for you. And Ali proceeds to say that, you know what? On Sunday, I'd like to go to church and just see what all the hubbub is about. (laughs) And his dad's understandably upset. He's like, look, no, I don't think this is a good idea. I think you're getting a lot of influence from your friends here, but you're not a Christian. You're a Muslim. Like, we're raising you to be a Muslim in our faith. And Ali unloads a little bit here. He's like, look, I didn't choose to be a Muslim. Mm -hmm. You chose that. I didn't choose to live on this island. You chose that because you were tired of your last precinct and all the racist people there. And he's like, Ali, calm down. Don't bring Mm -hmm. that up. And Ali's just unloading. He's like, no, I can't stop. I have to let these feelings out. And he's like, understandable. I'm a mentally healthy person. I'm going to let you unload. And he just goes on and on and on. He's like, look, there's miracles going on. I saw the miracles. And his dad, all he could say is what all the other non-believer characters are saying. He's saying, look, what happened to Lisa was amazing, but it wasn't a miracle. It was a misdiagnosis. All right. Like these things happen. They're amazing, but that's not how God works. God can't work that way. And I'll tell you why. Do you know how terrible it is to die of pancreatic cancer, Ali? And apparently that's what his mom died of. And this scene really tore me apart. He's pointing at the picture of his mom. He's like, do you know what it's like to die of pancreatic cancer? And he's like, I hope you never do. And I never tell you. I know what that's like. And I'm going to bear that for both of us. Mm -hmm. So if this, if God works in the way that you're telling me and he'll save the life or he'll create a miracle, to spare Lisa, but he won't. And then he doesn't even use the mom as the example. Mm -hmm. He's like, but then he won't, you know, cure a brain tumor from a kid who lives on the mainland. Then he's, and he's choosing not to do that. It just can't work that way. Mm -hmm. You just can't have God work that way. It can't be. And that scene was so powerful because you've, you've had that conversation before at one point in your life. Like you've always had that idea where it's just like, why do bad things happen to some people? Yeah. And why do good things happen to others? Like, it doesn't make sense. Why would this be allowed to happen? Yeah. It's really deep stuff. I just, I wasn't expecting this. <laughs> I mean, I should have been because they, they keep challenging me with all of the topics that they're covering in this. But, man, this one, this one hit home. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I mean, uh, that, that pancreatic cancer thing, talking about is like, one important thing is she never lost faith to the end. You know, mm-hmm. Lisa didn't lose faith at all. She found like 
she was going to church every day and God granted her the miracle, right? So why didn't he give my um my wife that miracle? There's people and he didn't even say that. He 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 could eat, like even going off on like the the fact that like okay maybe it was just because she was Muslim and Catholicism or whatever is the right religion. There's people on the mm-hmm. mainland that are there's there's a there's a there's a little girl on the mainland somewhere with a with a tumor in her brain. Why isn't God doing anything about that? That's why I can't say this was a miracle. I can't say anything. What a valley. <laughs> What if Ali's like, well, did she go to church every single day? Because <laughs> Liza did, like, all day, but whatever. <laughs> I think I think the point was that she can't go to church every day because she has a tumor in her brain. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, well, ah, damn it. Um, he, it's, he, faith is not magic, you know? It, it can't be because if it was, stuff like this wouldn't happen. And I felt like he was about to, like, drop a... Like, yeah, if God did this and did not, like, spare Lisa a life of uh, being in a wheelchair, but could not spare my wife um, death from pancreatic cancer, then I don't, I wouldn't, like, even if God was real, I wouldn't want to worship that person. You know, I wouldn't want to worship that entity. I felt like he was going to say it, yeah. but he didn't say it. So I was like, okay, right, cool. But, but I I understand you. Like he he said it with his facial expressions, with yeah. the with the way he was emoting. That's that's exactly what he said yeah. with his face. Yeah. So he's had enough of giving the world's greatest dad speech, <laughs> and he is turning off the light. And he's like, "Look, son, time for bed." And without the music cue, <laughs> I would not have noticed anything. Rip saw right away <laughs> the the image that we're going to talk about now but i had to i need we needed to rewind it two times for me because <laughs> i just couldn't see it um he turns off the light there's a loud music cue and just outside the window is a i can't describe it any other way it's nosferatu it's <laughs> nosferatu's face it's just yes. there and he's just like looking inside the window a vampiric nosferatu face yes it's scary. And then the sheriff's like, fuck, like fuck? something about him freaking. Yeah. Something about him freaking out scared me. It, it literally felt like if you've ever seen your dad get scared, like yeah. then that's some real shit. Like, oh, my God, I'm scared now. Yeah. My dad is scared. Like. I got a little scared. there. Yeah. But then he's like, and Ali's like, dad, what, what's going on? What happened? He's like, nothing, son. I thought I saw something outside. Good night. <laughs> he just leaves mm-hmm. and leaves Ali there. Just like, I, all right. All right, dad. I guess I'll just live with the fact that you got scared from something outside the window <laughs> and didn't do anything about it. Yeah. But you know, Ali's safe. Nosferatu's gone. I, Scene ends, but it was a really good jump scare. I agree. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've been looking out for this figure. I feel like this figure shows up at more scenes at night than we think. Really? Yeah. I think so. I would be interested (laughs) to see. I want to see that YouTube video that's just like, look at this corner and this corner and this corner. Did you know he shows up 67 times or some shit like that? I didn't know that, (laughs) but I'm about to. I'm going to watch this video five times. (laughs) Yeah. 
So once again, I apologize, but we we cut to a scene that's Bev heavy. Mm-hmm. So we see Bev again handling the things that Father Paul is going to consume later. She's packaging all of the meals that the townsfolk mm-hmm. are bringing over in Tupperware for Father Paul so he can enjoy the meal and not have to cook and stuff like that. But Bev is the one handling it. So maybe she's poisoning it through his food, which would make a lot of sense. Yeah. So she's packaging the food, putting it into the freezer. And you know what? I'm a little bit convinced that that is how she's poisoning them, actually, because she could just be like, well, I didn't make that food. Yeah. Other people made that food. It's not like they couldn't have poisoned him. It could have been anybody. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure it's the food. Yeah. And she's having a chat there with Liza's parents, the mayor and Mrs. Mayor. I don't I don't actually know Liza's mom's name. Do you? <laughs> no. Probably. No, it's just Mrs. Mayor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't find it. So they're chatting away, and she's planning something special. She's trying to plan a little event for the father, you know, so that he can have a special day, and she wants to keep it hush-hush. But oh no, Father Paul walks through the door to ruin her plans, her altruistic plans that have no ulterior motive whatsoever. Shucks. So father walks in and he instantly drops to the ground and he starts suffocating. He's just choking away. And it's a horrifying scene. He's like having a seizure, um, spitting up blood. No one's doing anything to support him. I think they're just letting him rile out. But then he starts to choke on his own blood. And then during the scene, we're both saying like, Turn them over. Like, you're supposed to turn them over on their side. And in case you guys didn't know that, if, if somebody's having a seizure and they're foaming up at the mouth, if they're, like, throwing up and their face is up, you have to turn their face. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they'll drown in whatever they're trying to spit up. Yeah. So always keep them on their side. But, yeah, they don't do that. And Father Paul just dies, man. <laughs> he dies right before our eyes. How did this make you feel, Rip? It was... I'm like... Did you buy it? Like, did you? Uh, no, no, I did not buy it at all. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was. I think you said, "Oh, we're gonna see him in three days." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, yeah." yeah something he, you can't just give us that character and just kill him off. Of course, you're not gonna buy it. Um, something was gonna happen. Um, but we don't get that. What do we get? We get a extreme uncomfortable close-up on his bloody eye, but then we transition back to the Monsignor story yep. that he was giving in the confessional earlier. Yes. So we pop back into the cave with good old Monsignor, mm-hmm. and he's weathering out the storm, and he has some matches. It's pitch black in there in that cave. Mm-hmm. He opens one of the matches, he lights it up, and he lights a few of them, really. But for, you know, the sake of time, he lights up a match and he sees those glowing eyes. The glowing eyes we've been seeing in a couple of episodes here and there and the ones we just saw in the window. (laughs) It's this entity, this scary, scary thing that I've been calling Jeepers Creepers. But I, you know what? (laughs) I'm not going to lie. It still looks like Jeepers Creepers when we get a close up or whatever. This entity's there, and it's revealed that 
I say vampire. Rip keeps saying demon. I don't know what to call it. It looks a little bit like Jeepers Creepers. It's probably a bit of both or a bit of all three. <laughs> Would it be safe to say it's vampiric? Would you call it a vampire? Uh, yeah, we, we've seen vampires turn into things that look like that. And the first thing it did, so Monsignor kept lighting matches. You know, the first time we see the glowing eyes, he freaks out. He lights another one. It's not there anymore. But we do hear the flapping of wings happening. And then the, um, the match lights too low. The fire goes too low, burns his hand. So he lights another one. And that's when we see it right in its face. First time we get a good clean look at what this thing is, and it just goes for Monsignor's neck and it starts like devouring the flesh and blood of Monsignor on the neck region, right? And then, so right there, we get the figure. So, yeah, vampiric, it's biting the neck, and I've in, in different versions of uh, vampires. They tr- can transform into something that looks like this. So, yeah. And mm-hmm. as it's consuming whatever it bit off of Monsignor's neck, Father Paul tells us that at this point, Monsignor in his old age, all it can, all he can muster up is just um, uh, whatever uh, passage. He says a prayer. Yeah. Prayer. That was he says, "The Our Father, yeah, the Our, uh, the Our Father, yes, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name." Like the whole, the whole thing, and he also refers to the vampiric entity as an angel. Which That's the word that he finds. He catches the which does what? which catches the en- the entity's attention. He got called an angel, and the entity decides to cut his wrist and feed the um, feed Monsignor his blood urging him to drink every last drop as much as it can, as much as Monsignor can and it kind of shoved its hand bloody wrist cut hand into Monsignor's mouth Monsignor has no choice but to drink it and Monsignor's not disgusting. He's not there. He's not in his right mind. He just saw wings and while he was saying a prayer that just came out of his mouth and uh, that was at the top of his head and he just angel. Something's not mm-hmm. right there. Or like we can obviously see like that's not a good depiction of an angel. <laughs> if that's supposed to be an angel. But this entity is very aware of what's going on. I am to me, it's an old, old entity, and it mm-hmm. recognized the prayer. It recognized the word angel. It and it it's it has it clearly has healing props. So Monsignor drank as much as blood as it can, and when Monsignor awoke, the storm was over. Light was going into the temple that he was in, and he looked at his hand he was young again it was a young hand his young hand he and he was able to recognize it so his mind is back 
and that's when we see a close-up of Monsignor, and it is a bearded Father Paul. So confirmed. Called it so long ago. Yes, he did. I John called did. it. It is Dr. Gunning's father, Paul. <laughs> so the the cutting of the wrist thing, I just wanted to say that, that that is a common way that vampires will turn other people into vampires. Sometimes like they use that method, just a distinct between the ones who are going to turn and the ones who are just like being fed on. Um, sometimes they make the distinction just because like everyone gets bit. Are they all going to become vampires? No. Only if they drink from their blood mm-hmm. do they become vampiric. Which is another thing that's leading me to believe this is closer to a vampire than like a demon. But you know what? Those lines get kind of blurred anyway. Like some people just call vampires demons. That's so. true. Um, you make a very bold, good point because it's clear that it has healing proper. Its blood has healing properties. What's he feeding everybody in the town? Is it his own blood or the blood of the entity? Well, given that he brought the entity there in a box, yes, I think that the entity comes back, gives <laughs> him some blood, and he feeds everybody the blood, which also is concerning. Because is he a vampire? Is he is he a vampire? Is he turning everyone? Into vampires? Is that what's going on here? That's what I think is happening. You make a very good point. (laughs) Um, Several things to to finish this off real quick. The the Mm -hmm. the last bit of the episode. Um, As Monsignor wakes up, and he's Father Paul, with a beard, he looks back Mm -hmm. at the entity, and because he's youthful again, he's like, oh um. This is a, this is an angel, right? So he knew it was going to be a long journey, but he went through the desert to get back to where he needed to go, and the vamp the the entity followed him. And I don't know if it was explicitly mentioned, but it sounded like it just waited until nighttime. It couldn't go out into the sun. But Monsignor can. So that's that's important. Um, and then they're going. And if it just kept following and following. And Monsignor, the way Monsignor says Father Paul is talking about this, it's like, it's a miracle. And he he needs to bring this entity, this angel, back to his homeland, to um, uh, Crockett Island to heal everybody there this angel healed me it could heal everybody else god gave me this miracle and i'm doing god's work so god can forgive me if i lie about monsignor's whereabouts because i am monsignor which is nice it was it was cool mm-hmm. um so we confirm the entity is is not just um monsters it's not a beast it's it's very cognizant. It's very aware. Like even to the the first episode when um, Father Paul Monsignor knocked on the 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 case, the trunk that he had it in, it knocked back. They clearly had a plan. I, I feel like this thing. Can, yeah, this thing can. You know, it knows what the fuck's going it's, on. <laughs> it's wise. It's ancient. It's yeah. this 
otherworldly being. Yeah, found in a temple, which is mm-hmm. another thing that a temple that was unearthed by the sandstorm. We don't know what kind of temple that was. That may have been an entity that was worshipped and maybe not in a good way. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of theories that could the be. Only time will tell or the next episodes. Yeah. So we we finish this episode off cutting back to Father Paul dead on the floor. He's being mourned by Bev, who's <laughs> secretly thinking, yes, finally the poison kicked in. How much poison do you have to use to kill a man? And oh, the horrified mayor and his wife are just staring down at the scene. So is the plumber who was also in the scene. He's just staring down at Father Paul. Yeah. And then we just linger on his dead body. And then he just coughs awake, scaring everyone in the room, especially Bev, who thought she finally did it this time. Father Paul's alive. He's choking up blood. And scene. Well, one important thing. We ended right there. Except uh, for, yes. Bev kept calling him Monsignor. Yes, she did. She dropped the ball there. Yes. And I think that was on purpose. She... (laughs) He's he's alive, and she brought him. And she's just like, "All right, well, time to let this cat out of the bag." And she starts calling him Monsignor, because the photo, no, what she was looking at earlier in the episode, uh, when she was looking at the wall, it was a photo, a newspaper clipping, of an article that talks about Monsignor, and it's an old, old article that that was framed up on the wall. And it's a young Monsignor who just so happens to look like Father Paul because, you know, the same person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. that was clearly on So purpose. that's what Bev was looking at earlier. Yeah. So um, that's, that's how we end the episode. And we had to try our hardest not to click next episode. <laughs> what a way to go out. I had never wanted to watch another episode more in my life. I can't wait for us to record the next one. Uh, um. So we, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think. Um, to and I don't want to defend Bev. I do believe she's poisoning mm-hmm. him. But yeah. there has to be something like, like. Imagine looking at it at the newspaper clipping, seeing an old photo of of uh, someone that looks like Father Paul, and then realize it says Monsignor or whatever, Father Pruer or whatever, and she turns around and it's the same freaking image, and then she slips and calls him Monsignor at the end. Maybe she doesn't trust the fact that that he's young again and is trying to kill him. You know, I don't want to defend Bev, but it could be a possible a possibility. I mean, she's capable of anything. She's proven that. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know if she's doing it for altruistic reasons or, you know, I'm more inclined to believe it's selfish. She wants power and he's taking away the spotlight. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, be- Maybe she would just wanted another miracle to turn people. Yeah. So she killed him or tried to kill him knowing that he has some otherworldly stuff going on and he would come back. Yeah. Um, I read an interesting theory on this episode mm-hmm. as we were recapping it, as I was looking up uh, the song of Neil Diamond. 
um mm-hmm. uh the is there a pattern to where the entity shows up the entity the showed up so all the times the entity has showed up off the island right we heard mm-hmm. we're talking about like on the island not the uppers the uppers was just feeding off those cats but in the same manner that it bit Monsignor, right? Right on the neck. Mm-hmm. Um, it flew by Uker in the beginning. It chased Joe. Um, what else? Um, it up, killed the drug dealer. Killed the drug dealer. Showed up at Aaron's house walking on the roof and showed up outside. Um... It was in the storm, and Riley was chasing it. Well, there is a pattern, though. These are all people who don't... Well, Miss Green does attend church. I was going to say, it was all people who aren't devout, who aren't attending church regularly. Yeah, because it shows up at Sheriff Hassan's house. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... I mean, it might be just showing up in the houses and devouring the non-believers yeah but to its mind it's just devouring all the people who aren't vampiric (laughs) but that just so happens to be all the non-believers yeah Mm. might be why father purit monsignor purit is urging everybody to attend church please attend church i really really need you guys to do oh no wonder he's just Giving these crazy good sermons. He's trying to save everyone's life. Even though he brought the fucking thing in the first place. That's also true. You can't really give him credit for that. He caused the problem. Yeah. Hmm. So from here, where do we think the show is going to go? Because I, for one, am way ahead of schedule where (laughs) I thought this show was going to go. I thought this was endgame. This is like episode seven material. So I don't know where we're going from here. Um, that's a good, that's a good ass question, right? We're I don't think we we we're not at the climax. We're at the Mm-mm. we're at the point where turning point. Yeah. So Bev is gonna try to, you know, just out of mind as Monsignor, try to get him to explain what everything is going on, right? But at some point, the entity has to show itself. Right now, it's just a mystery. I think they have they have to get to a point where the entity just starts, be, like it stops living in the shadows. Shit, shit has to start like it has to start going after people that it's too big of a of a target. Like if they go missing or whatever, they um it's noticeable like the sheriff yeah sheriff it could be anybody even joe even mm-hmm. um although joe seems like he's gonna get turned into a devout christian pretty soon that's true um but i, I think the bev and the entity are gonna fucking meet at some point and bev is not gonna just be make scared. out yeah they're gonna t- <laughs> <laughs> they're not gonna Bev is not gonna be scared of it and it's gonna drive the fucking entity crazy 
you know, it's going to happen. Actually, they're going to come into contact with each other and the entity's just going to be like, ah! <laughs> and like retreat and go back to Jerusalem in fear. That raises the question of why Jerusalem held a temple with the entity in the first place. Right? This is true. This is very concerning stuff. I, I, I hope they give us just enough answers for me to be happy. Yeah. I mean, and I think they do. I think they will. Like the other shows, Mike Flanagan's done has always given me enough answers yeah. to where I'm happy. At the end, there's something up with the entity. There's no. It knows what it's what it's doing. It knew to feed, um, Father Monsignor Purit its own its own blood. It probably has a plan. It could have just left Monsignor to die. It didn't. The moment it got referred to as an angel, it's like, oh, I can do something with this. So mm -hmm. that's interesting, too. My big predictions for the future yes. are going to be. I think the more. I think we're going to get a terrible realization with Miss Green. I, I think the theory that you came up with earlier is going to come true and she's she's going to realize that she's no longer pregnant right i think that scene's coming <laughs> and then another scene i think is coming is the elderly chap or not chap the elderly lady mm -hmm. dr gunning's mom she is going to become young again yeah and this is when town's noticeably going to realize that they're all being healed like they're all going to acknowledge it i think next episode really yeah. they're going to start acknowledging that there's miracles going around and not just Liza. Like we're all experiencing it. I can, you know, lift things again. Father Flynn, I mean, uh, Papa Flynn's going to tell everybody about his back problems and all, all the whole town, all the devout people are going to have these stories that they're sharing with each other. And it's going to get real. I want to say like culty really, really soon. Yeah. They're going to start slowly taking that dive toward cult territory. Yeah, and it's going to be like a 50-50 split, right? It's going to be the believers mm -hmm. and the non-believers. Well, it seems more like an 80-20 split, split or something yeah. like that because they're, 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 they got most of the town. Yeah. You got... It's um the question I posed last podcast, right? You're going to have the people that see this as a miracle, as a good thing because it affected their lives positively. And there's gonna be there's gonna be people who are affected negatively, you know, mm -hmm. Aaron losing the baby, or um, Sarah's Sarah seeing her mom become a young woman again. That'll probably be a problem. Mm -hmm. I think even Sarah's mom might have a problem with being young again. That's true. Uh, also, yeah, she might because she she knows she's ultimately gonna have to go back. Yeah. At one point, she's gonna age back into it. It's inevitable, and it'll be the flowers, the flowers for Algernon situation I was talking about. Yeah, one scene I think is gonna happen. I think Riley's gonna try taking some of the, you know, he's gonna sip the Kool Aid, mm -hmm. and try it, and his vision, or at least like, Tara Beth is gonna disappear. He's gonna stop seeing her after that point. Mm. I think that's gonna happen. I, I see where you're going with and that. And I think and I think Joe's gonna convince him to do it. Hmm. I think um well that's the big scene, right? I think there's 
they're building up to this point. Riley is a non-believer. Mm-hmm. And Father Pruer is trying to make him a believer. Not make him a believer. Get him to see it, right? Mm-hmm. Father uh, Monsignor Pruitt is... I'm saying, like, all the different names of this. Monsignor Pruitt is showing all, like showing all these miracles without showing him, like, they're there. All the small mm-hmm. little miracles are right before our eyes, but we don't, we don't, it's not being talked about. It's just, you know, my, my vision's back to normal. My back is feeling better. Um, Sarah's mom was able to walk up and down the stairs, like no, with no problem right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So like the big thing is like when Riley finally takes a sip of that, I think something else is going to happen, though. I don't think it's going to make him stop seeing Tara Beth. Something. What do you think is going to happen? Uh, all right, this is a gamble. This is a gamble. Okay, I mean, go for it. Um, It might make him... It's, it's the same shit, right? I was going to say it might make him forget. <laughs> but Yeah, I think it's going to make him forget. I thought you were going to go crazy with it and be like, it's going to bring Tara Beth back and she's going to wake up and be a zombie. <sighs> that could be That'd the be other crazy. thing, right? That could be the other thing. That could be what he tries to do to make amends with her family and try to bring her back from the dead. Mm-hmm. That'd be wild. That, yeah. It'll ease his, you know, ease his guilt. If, if you found out you can do these miracles... Then let's bring Tara Beth back. Save this family that grieving, you know? She's bones at this point, but yeah, yeah, try and bring her back. Maybe instead of trying to convince Father Paul to do it, he just goes and does it. And that creates a problem now, doesn't it? You got a you got bones being resurrected. I one last prediction before we wrap this home yeah. and end this podcast. Um, I think in one of the last episodes, the town's gonna gonna you know delve into culthood so deep mm-hmm. that the monster is gonna be revealed to the town, and they're gonna go with it anyway. Yeah, they're I gonna agree. be so indoctrinated to the cult mm-hmm. that they're just gonna drink the blood directly from the monster yeah. from Nosferatu character. Yeah. I think that's going to be how it ends. Mm. <laughs> or at least like one of the ending parts in episode seven. Maybe something like that. Maybe episode six, the monster gets mm-hmm. revealed and then they're like all about it. Could be. Yeah. But I believe all those things are not without consequence. You know? Yeah. It's just You can't just defy death like that without some kind of um, backlash. And the, right now, the the entity is giving off this miracle, but it's going to show its true colors soon enough. The, my biggest mystery that I don't know what's going to happen, that I'm looking forward to, is how is Bev going to get her comeuppance? <laughs> what is going to happen to make her deal with all her sins? You know, like, make the town see her for what she is. Oh, that'll be, that's a good one. I'm just going to think about that pretty much all week. <laughs> nice. All right. Let's wrap this up. Any last words? 
Amen. Amen. Good night, everybody. Um, we will come back with episode four soon. And we're also doing a review of Are You Free of the Dark? If you want to check that out. And anything else we got going on, feel free. Thank you. Good night. Good night.